I'm Ruth Blakely. And I'm Caroline Schwabi. And you are listening to Experience Wine. Today it is Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh yay, wine of my heart. <laughs> True confessions, I love Cabernet. Does anybody not love Cabernet? <laughs> I expect there's people out there that don't love Cabernet. There are people that will tell you that Pinot Noir is the grape for its elegance and sophistication and its femininity. But for me, there is something about Cabernet that speaks to cold nights by a fire or a barbecue in the backyard or some great restaurant meal that you'll never forget. There's just something about Cabernet that speaks to me that way. You know what? I I would agree with you 100%. In in my humble opinion or humble experience, uh, I would say exactly the same um, memories apply to Cabernet Sauvignon. And I always think of a rich... uh, dark fruits when I think of Cabernet, but there's also so much more and so much more complexity. There might be a... Anyway, I, I do adore Cabernet Sauvignon. So lucky us. <laughs> we splashed out a little bit this episode on the budget, but if you are going to drink along with us, and please do, grab a glass and a bottle. Fill it up. Have a sip. Join us. Absolutely. Remember when we are doing the WSET approach to evaluating wine, it is systematic. So let's start the system. Enough blathering on. Let's try some wine, shall we? Uh, Let's, please. Yes, absolutely. They look gorgeous. They do look gorgeous. And that's the first thing that you evaluate, right, is what the wine looks like. So pick up your glass, whatever you're drinking. They both look, well, this first one is, is quite dark, but it's got a little bit of purpley uh, color to it um, and it looks just, you can barely see through it <laughs> at all. You cannot see through it. it yeah, it is, uh, it is pretty dark. Uh, I can't tell if it's, if it's ruby or purple, but it's in there somewhere. And it is, uh, it is definitely clear. There's no sediment. Although a fruit fly did find its way into my oh. glass earlier because fruit flies apparently have very good taste. <laughs> so when when I think of Cabernet Sauvignon, there's two places that my mind immediately goes to, even though it's planted pretty much everywhere in the world. And those two places are France, Bordeaux, and Napa Valley. So today, how could we not have one from Napa Valley? Oh, yes. And one from France. That sounds great. Now, what, are they the two largest producers of Cabernet? Or why do you think of those two places when you think of Cabernet? Bordeaux is the home of Cabernet. Um, more often when you think of Bordeaux, there's a little cheat that you can use uh, for the wine geeks out there that are just kind of learning their way around French wines. And you hear often about a left bank Bordeaux or a white right bank Bordeaux. So the way to remember that a left bank 
Bordeaux is more often dominant in Cabernet, hold up your left hand. And when you hold up your left hand, you make a little C. Uh And that tells you that it's Cabernet. And that is usually the dominant grape on the left bank. The right bank is Merlot. Although there are many wine, many grapes in Bordeaux. There's also, in addition to Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, there's Cabernet Franc, there's Petit Verdot, also Malbec is allowed, and that's something that people don't often think about when they think of Bordeaux, but it's sometimes a small percentage. And the blend is often proprietary. So with France, we've talked about old world wines before, where they don't necessarily tell you on the label what is in the bottle. They just assume that you'll know that if it's red and it's from Burgundy, it'll be Pinot Noir. And if it's from the left bank and it's from France, it's probably mostly Cabernet Sauvignon. That's a great tip to to just, it's an easy way to remember. It's a perfect C right there. It is a perfect C. So let's start with the New World because, uh, just because. In Napa, when people think about Cabernet, it tends to be almost all about the fruit. So when you're drinking a New World wine, whether it's from California or a Soyuz or the Barossa Valley Mm -hmm. in Australia or Chile, those fruits tend to be cassis, which is black currant, Mm -hmm. black raspberry, and I smell both of these in spades. Mm. In this little This guy. is my first whiff. And I'm going to give it a little spin here in the glass as well. So what we are drinking today is a very young wine. It's the 2017 Cliff Letty Stag's Leap Cabernet. So this is kind of his entry-level Cabernet. Still not an inexpensive wine. So Cliff Letty has a Canadian connection. In fact, an Edmonton connection, and that's where we record this because uh, he and his brother started a very successful um, construction company in this part of the world many moons ago. And when he decided to step back from that side of it, he really wanted nothing more than to pay homage to Bordeaux because he loves those wines. This is a great story. Cliff is a pretty good story. In the Pinot Noir episode, we had uh, one of his wines from Fell up in the Anderson Valley. I do remember that. And <laughs> and a beautiful a, wine it was. And a beautiful wine it was. But it's, you know, Anderson Valley, cooler, fresher, so longer growing kind of. It, it didn't ha- doesn't have the heat that you're getting that Cabernet likes that you get in Napa. Right. So Stag's Leap, again, Stag's is his kind of entry level wine. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the price after we... After we have a good All right, sniff. let's have a sip. Well, I haven't really put my stuck my nose in it properly yet, so let's do that first. Wow, I get tons of, tons of blackberry mm-hmm. and blackcurrant. Yeah. Vanilla. To me, it's mostly about the fruit. Again, yep. this is a very young wine. I'm going to take... I, I, I feel like you can almost smell the tannin. It's probably the acidity that, that always makes my mouth water. It uh, smells very nice. Let's take a slurp. Very fruity. And we're making that horrible noise because we're pulling 
all of that wine all the way across your tongue into the back of your mouth. And you'll get a sense of the complexity of the wine, the finish of the wine, the acid level. There is some acid here because there's a little bit of salivation going on, not just because it smells delicious, but there's a there's there's some acid. Definitely. There. It's it's almost like it um you, you salivate after you swallow, like your mouth responds to the the beauty of those flavors. And I like I like a nice balance with the uh, little bit of acidity there. I like it. There's there's a quite a quite a reasonable amount of tannin, but they're 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 fairly fine grained. Like they're not uh, offensive. Uh, I'm going to say that this is also from a half bottle. So it's from a 375 ml bottle, which actually does make a difference when it comes to aging wine. Okay, tell me about that. I did not know that. Small bottles age faster. Yeah. Big bottles. Makes sense. Age slower. It, it's nicely balanced. Um, I'm, I am getting the cassis as well and the blackberry. And maybe like some dark cherry as well yeah i get a little bit of bing cherry yeah it is very dry mm-hmm. would be just superb with a barbecued steak yep grilled steak no barbecue sauce just the grilled steak <laughs> if you want barbecue sauce you can have barbecue sauce but sometimes the sweetness of the barbecue sauce would play havoc with a tannic wine right i don't think i ever put barbecue sauce on a steak uh, I'm just more of a steak spice kind of girl. So salt, pepper, and a little bit of garlic and whatever else is in that. Yeah, um, and I think that this would be delicious. Yeah, it, it would for sure. Um, I think that I'm tasting... Am I... Uh, I guess I should ask first, is this an oaked Cabernet Sauvignon? Cause Absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm getting some some wood some some of that um oak flavor there a little bit of cedar uh, i got a lot of vanilla off the nose i don't didn't get a lot of vanilla in the in the mouth um lovely finish you know i i last had a sip quite a while ago and i can still taste the wine mm-hmm. uh this wine is not inexpensive um you know think in terms of 120 130 dollars a bottle um, Cliff has wines that are uh, more expensive than that. It's the, the Cliff Luddy Banner is a premium wine, and it's mm-hmm. a premium winery, and it's certainly not uh, hideously expensive to s- compared to some of the prices that you pay in California. It it tastes very sophisticated and very elegant to me. So if you know, if your budget <laughs> can uh, stand up to that, it's it's very very. Very elegant tasting. To me, it's a lovely treat. It is. I've been very lucky uh, to try quite a number of his wines, and they uh, they tend to be pretty darn delicious. So mm. um, this is no exception. The, he has a claret, and sometimes, say, in an old James Bond movie, yeah. you'll see that James Bond will order a claret. The, the, I think they were m- kind of more popular uh, in the 50s, 60s, right? It's just the expression because Claret is Bordeaux. Oh, really? I did not know that. I'm laughing at myself because I I had no idea. I bet Claret's you most people Bordeaux. didn't know. So so he has a Claret, which is a blend, which is a little bit more affordable. So you're looking at maybe $65, $70 a bottle. 
also delicious. I really wanted to focus on the Cabernet flavors today. Mm -hmm. But if somebody wanted to try a premium wine from this particular producer, then that might be a good starting place for them, would be the Claret. And just if you think that that's a little expensive, let's go to our French offering, which is from a spectacular region known as Margot. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for this. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, So Margot is... um, further south in Bordeaux, and the wines tend to be a little bit more elegant, almost more feminine hmm. than some of their northern cousins. So what would you call, what, what do you mean when you say feminine wine? Well, it's a little floral. Okay. It's not, um, Cabernet can be brutish and so bold. Uh, and the wines in Morco tend to be a little bit softer. I see what you mean. Because I've tasted Cabernets that are almost spicy, like, right. you know, really two by four almost. I, I mean, I I don't mind them. <laughs> I like that. But um, now I understand what you're, what you're referring to, uh, just the, the, the softer, right. smoother. So our budget does not extend to Chateau Margot which is, you know, around $1,000 a bottle. Wow. I know. So what we have is something that's called a fifth growth. Okay. So by Margot standards, it is a bargain, less expensive than the Cliff Letty. Um, but it is a fifth growth. And it's from Chateau du Tert. So they have been part of the Bordeaux, Bordeaux classification system since 1855. Chateau de Terre had fallen on some pretty hard times and then got purchased by a Dutchman in the late 1990s. And he's invested a lot to bring back some of the former glory of this lovely old property where wine has been made for a thousand years. Unbelievable. It's crazy, right? So the Chateau de Tert smells very much to me the way an old world, elegant Bordeaux should smell. Mm-hmm. It's from 2012. That's not a great vintage. 2012, if you have a 2012 Bordeaux kicking around, drink that puppy. It's not going to age forever. Why wasn't it a great vintage? A little cooler, a little damper. Okay. You know, it... it, it Grapes don't mind a little rain early, but they want to be very dry and warm at the end of the year. So there have been some stunning vintages. 2009 was pretty good. 2010 was fantastic. 2015 was very good. 2016 was very good. Um, California tends to be more consistent. Australia tends to be more consistent. France, they don't irrigate usually. The rules are very strict. And the climate is changing, so they're facing their own challenges. Okay. But sometimes an off vintage will give you a spectacular value. So we have a fifth growth. Wait, not- wait, tell me what you mean when you say fifth growth. I'm not- so it's, so the cla- in the 1855 classification, they said these guys are the top of the hill these guys are the next guys and the next guys and the next guys so it's it's about vineyard aspect and 
soil and oh my it sounds quite involved so uh, yeah. so it's it's their regulatory it's the regulatory system. thing and it really hasn't changed very much in 150 years oh, man. so i think there's a couple that are like chateau kerwin which is a third growth is another spectacular value relatively speaking for margot and chateau duterte is also a very nice value, especially in an off vintage. So a good winery will produce good wine even in a bad vintage because they make less wine. They only use the best grapes. They sell off something that's inferior. So I think that that's an opportunity for people sometimes to try those really special wines that they wouldn't otherwise have. So 2012 wasn't a terrible vintage. Um, it just wasn't a great vintage. Okay. But instead of spending three times the amount for a 2016, you know, maybe a, just get a 2012. That's great. Okay, so uh, let's let's have a smell and a taste here. It smells complex to me. I'm getting something like almost perfumey, but not in a bad way. It is. It is quite floral, like almost like violets. Mm. And layers of stuff there's fruit there's wood there's flowers a teensy bit of licorice yeah and and a little musty something too which i like a little terroir there's a little bit of earthiness there um that's a better way to say it sometimes sometimes in in bordeaux you'll get a lot of that it's quite subtle in this this is a very i would call this a fruit forward wine so again for people that are afraid of wines from the old world because they think they're too earthy or or just just not somebody's you know cup of tea this is a wine that kind of straddles a newer world style with still paying homage to its old world roots Nice. So let's take a nice I've big never been sweep. afraid of a bottle of wine. <laughs> Me either, but I hear it all the time. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Wow. Mm. I got more licorice in the mouth. I got I got that I I want to say eucalyptus again. Something minty at the back of the throat. Something green, and it it's it's just surprising and lovely. There's you don't taste. I don't that. get any. Gr- I didn't get any green at all. Um, Maybe it's just me today. Maybe it's just you today. <laughs> did you have some gum before that? I did not. <laughs> I know better than that now. So if you're slurping along it along at home. Maybe you do get a little bit of green. And certainly Carmenere, which is another uh, grape that's allowed, um, also sometimes has a little slightly green, peppery kind of thing. I don't really get that off of this, but it's not an uncommon um, aroma that you might find. Um, Cabernet from the Margaret River in Australia, for example, is quite well known to have that. It's not a flaw. It just comes down to preference. I got licorice, and I got vanilla. I'm getting vanilla, too. And I I, I got tons of black currant. Yeah. And and a little black cherry there, also. And it is softened somewhat by Merlot. Um, Merlot being slightly softer than Cabernet often brings you flavors like dark chocolate and and I think I'm getting a little bit of that yes I wouldn't have been able to peg that but now that you 
Now that you suggest that, I can taste it and uh, recognize it. And I do find the finish is nice and soft, but lingering, it lasts forever. Uh, at the back of the throat, just it's it's very, very, it's a very pretty wine. It's a beautiful wine. And when we talk about bang for your buck, this wine is $80. Okay. So it is a fifth growth, not a first. Um, but I think it's really delicious. I do too. And it would be a wine that you could be proud to serve or take anywhere. Absolutely. On any occasion. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm kind of enjoying this. <laughs> Keep in mind when 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 people think about about Bordeaux, you can buy a $20 Bordeaux and it might be just fine. It might be terrible. It it might be transcendent. You know, there are um, 500 million liters of wine made in Bordeaux every year. I don't even know what to say to that. It's That's just incredible. Huge. It's huge. So, you know, try them. Try them out. If you, if you like something about a particular wine, and you can go to an independent wine shop or just a wine shop that has somebody there that knows about wine and loves wine. They'll be able to steer you maybe to something like Chateau Kerwin or Chateau du Tert, or maybe you want to splash out and buy a Chateau Morgaux or a Palmer, you know, if you, if you have that extra $1,000 a bottle to spend. I don't, but it doesn't mean I'm not happy to drink them if somebody else is pouring. <laughs> um, so just experience the wine in your glass, whether you're drinking a $20 bottle or a $1,000 bottle, love it for what it is. Exactly. Love the one you're with. <laughs> love the wine you're with. Exactly. I, I just, these are such beautiful examples of Cabernet Sauvignon. Thank you for uh, finding them and presenting them because uh, this feels so luxurious to me today. This is a beautiful glass of wine. Thank you. Ruth. Oh, my pleasure. And I'm just getting some saddle leather now. Yeah, there's yeah. it. It the beautiful thing about wine too is that it it's almost like it shape shifts uh, in your glass as you're enjoying it. And the third and fourth and fifth sip, you're always going to get something. Um, extra, something different. And so that's what's happening here with this beautiful taste is that it's like growing in flavor as we speak. Right, which is another reason to decant. And sometimes people don't want to decant. They don't have a decanter. They don't have room. Maybe they're in a tiny apartment. If you if you are drinking a wine, particularly something that's very young, when you give it some air, it opens up all of these aromas and flavors, which is why you're swirling the wine in your glass. Right. So if you can decant, both of these wines should be decanted. Um, Or if you don't have a decanter, pour it in your glass and walk away for a half an hour. Right. If you just pull the cork out, you think about how little the surface area is that's exposed to air. It's so tiny. Pour some out. It'll, It'll help it along. Give it a good splash. Give it some air. And be transported to beautiful Bordeaux in your glass. This is just gorgeous. Do you have a favorite? Well, I definitely, uh, they're both beautiful. 
they're both beautiful, honestly. Uh, but I have to go with the uh, Chateau de Terre. It's so elegant and soft and complex. Uh, and I believe this would go with anything you want to eat. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that you would have to discriminate. I mean, obviously, it's going to pair well, like you said, better with a prime rib or a steak or something a little bit richer that would stand up to it. But truly, just to sip it on your patio, too, would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Cabernet Sauvignon. Now you know why we're so in love with it. <laughs> it's 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 the ideal grape. It's the ideal red, in my humble opinion, for sure. <laughs> Mind you, I haven't met a good one I didn't like yet, so there you go. <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Ruth Blakely. I'm Caroline Schwabe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.